I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. Normally, we're overachievers, and we're doing the show a day early. This week, underachievers. I was stuck, well, stuck in Vegas, no internet. Had to wait a day. We weren't going to give you an inferior product. It was gonna. It, it may come late, but it is still grade A fine ass. You know, I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time. All right. The last two weeks, we were a little early. Today, you know, we're a little tardy, but that's fine. Tardy to the party, but we're here regardless. I don't feel tardy. God doesn't give with both hands. Uh, 73, 72, since we're a day late, 72 days until week one. We are the twos, the twos away. Starting to knock on the door. But I tell you, man, every week it's like a big chunk is taken away. Yep. It's going to be a bummer when we get to like two weeks from now and we don't lose a whole like 10. You know what yeah, I mean? It was like we were in the 80s. Now we're in the 70s. Next show, we're going to be in the 60s. But then we're going to have to do like back to back 40s at one point. And it's going to be, be no back to back 50s. Back to back 50s? Because it'll yeah. be what, like 67 next week when we do it on the right day? Mm-hmm. Yep. 67. The right. And then it'll be, oh no, 67, then 60. And then 250s, too. No, 150. Well, if it's 72, the math is hard. At some point, it's going to be in the same decade, and it's going to feel long. But I don't know what I'm end. talking about. But. That's what we don't, we don't math around here. No, not really. Um, so we've been uh, – there's been a lot, of, a lot of reasons to not be too high on this franchise for this last offseason, last, the last 20 seasons. We've been around a long time. We've seen some heartache. We've shared that together, windbags. We have <laughs> – Shared this heart, we shared, and it made the great times taste that much sweeter. And the dead times, there's we've been pretty negative on here. And there's, in, in fairness to us, there's been a lot of good reasons to be negative. I wouldn't say we're necessarily being wrong with the negativity. We're being realists, I think, is what we what we've been doing. And so we finally said, "Fuck it." Football's supposed to be fun. Watching Raider football is fun. Talking Raider football with your boys is fun. So we're going to give you the top. We have all of all of this next season to be realists. Today, optimists. That glass isn't half full. That glass is overloaded with the silver and black. And we're putting it into a beer bong and chugging it. We are doing keg stands with the glass. It's so damn full. Those, today. those cups overflow with like the cups at the cheetah one through five. That's what we're gurgling today so here's top five reasons to be optimistic top five reasons for optimism this upcoming season first one i always like to start with the math you know what i mean like like, here's here's something concrete right you can't you can argue with me can't argue with math nope nope and you know we didn't do the math because we just said earlier we don't math very well but someone very smart did and uh it makes sense i can copy and paste the math with the best of like a motherfucker so one score games is one of the most random metrics for success in football. 
Now, there is definitely something to say about a team that is clutch. There, there is, there is a level to that, right? Coaches don't blow it late in games. Good goal line defense. Uh, clutch quarterback play. Yeah, uh, execution. Great, great, you know. great kicking game. There's, you know, there's a lot of pieces that help you win close games that are completely in your control. But so many writers, specifically, I highly recommend, again, my favorite writer at ESPN for football, Bill Barnwell, has done extensive work on how one-score games, when your team leans on winning one-score games, that's generally not something they keep for a long time. In fact, they almost never do. So if you win a lot of one, you know, close games and you have a great season one year, you almost always falter the next as the number regresses back to the mean and vice versa. If you lose a ton of one-score games, a ton of really close games one season, you almost always, statistically, win more one-score one games. It's more about luck than it is about what you're actually doing. Now, that what you're doing doesn't matter, but statistically, luck has been a bigger factor. Why is that good for the Raiders? This reason. In 2021, two seasons ago, when we were 10-7, and seven, we were clutch, man. Seven and two in one score games and seven point games. Even better if we counted eight point games, but we're just we're just gonna do seven, right? Ten and seven, seven and two in one score games. What happened last season? We regressed to the mean. We were six and eleven as a team, three and nine in one score games. Why is that a good thing? Because next season we should bounce back the other way. Like statistically, you're supposed to be around 500, right? That's not something that normally teams fail at consistently, being bad and losing one score of games. Mathematically and historically, that's just not the case. So while we were terrible one score games, and I'm not saying we shouldn't point the finger at people who failed in those one score games because there's still execution and people didn't do their jobs. That still needs to be worked on. Mm -hmm. But mathematically... It should go the other way next season. Yeah, you see, like uh, two seasons ago was uh, the, the Lions. The Lions mm -hmm. lost a lot of one-score games. And last year, they what? They won their last eight? Mm -hmm. They had they had the, kind of that same thing, but in the same season. Like yep. the first part of the season last year, they lost a lot of one-score games. Then they went and ripped off eight in a row. Look for the freaking uh, Vikings. Maybe not so much this next year coming up. They yep. won, like, what, 12 games last year? And most of them were, like, nail mm, biters all the way to the end. Uh, when you have a defense that doesn't stop other teams from scoring, it's very difficult to, to be that way consistently year in and year out. Uh, they didn't seem like they did a lot defensively. So there's just some examples of what what's happened around the league where this has happened to other teams. Reason number two. We have arguably, going into next season, four players that are arguably the best at their position. Four. It's hard four to believe, but yeah, they, it's, it's legit. That's, that's a lot. Four players where you can, who, who, who were all clearly at least top three last season and could make the case that they're number one next season very realistically. We're not dreaming here. Four yeah. players can make the case of the best in football at their position. Devontae Adams at receiver, Max Crosby at end, Josh Jacobs at running back, Daniel Carlson kicker. 
And not only that, but those are like receiver and D end are like the second and like third most important positions in football, right? Outside of quarterback, those are like the, you know, running back. Oh man, you don't pay. Not that the running back position isn't important. It's just, you can find cheap alternatives. So don't, don't take our argument that, you know, paying Josh Jacobs isn't wise with money and make that sound like running back isn't important. Running back is important, but you can get great production cheap. Those are two different arguments, two very different arguments. And then Carlson, Captain Clutch. If you have a good kicker, man, he, he, again, he erases a lot of bad. We, we, luckily as a team, we've been through some hard things. We have forgotten what life is like when your kicker blows because we've had it so good for so long. And that is so big for a team. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's comforting to have to be comfortable. Yeah. Like, all right, cool. You know what? We're going to get three out of this shit. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you have a, you have a 13 point lead and you get the ball down to like the 35. Oh yeah. That's 52. He'll, he'll get that. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Yeah. He's good. Automatic from 50. Our kicker, Daniel Carlson. And so, and also, um, Max Crosby's only getting better. Um, We'll get to the pass rush a little bit, but he should have some more help this season than he did last season. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Devontae Adams is going to have to make some adjustments, right? Brand new quarterback, um, but at least one more year familiar with the scheme. Chip on his shoulder, dude. I mean, he's he, Devontae's got a chip on his shoulder after you know everything that's happened with this team, and um, he seems like one of those guys I'd hate to play against when he's mad. You know what I mean? Like I'd hate, I'd hate to be a corner lined up to a pissed off Devontae Adams. Honestly, man, I don't, I don't see uh, the change at quarterback being making a huge difference for like those elite receivers because mm-hmm. we saw it last year. I mean, I, I didn't, I couldn't really appreciate how open he gets and how quickly he gets that open. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like, it, it seems like he doesn't get out of his, out of his, off the snap like really quickly. Because he's just kind of like da, 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 da. and then dude, he makes a quick little move, and like the corner's just like uh and just falls over, like it's totally out of position, and he's wide open. He's he's like a prime Allen Iverson, just like it's just breaking weird ankles. how he doesn't move really fast, but everything he does is like on point, on balance, on time, and he gets wide open. Uh, and even when he's not wide open, he can still Go and get them with the best of them. And Josh Jacobs. I mean, let's say we just do the franchise tagging. We just do the one year. That's when he plays his best. Contract years is when he goes hog wild, like he did this last season, right? We could have, we could have easily, not easily, but very, like it's very real possibility that all four of those guys could be the best in the position next season. Reason number three. Pass rush should be drastically improved. Chandler Jones was starting to gain momentum a little bit last season. Hopefully that continues. Very realistically could continue next season. Max Crosby is Max effing Crosby. Mm-hmm. And Terry Wilson is our first round pick. Athletic freak. We have three potential. We have three defensive ends, all top tier at something, right? Max Crosby's got the motor. Tyree Wilson's the athletic, the rookie athletic freak. Chandler Jones has the experience. Those three combined should turn into a good pass. Not 
a better pass rush, not an average pass rush, a good, uh, a, a good pass, pass rush. rush. Yeah, and that's assuming the defensive tackles don't. Even with the defensive tackles haven't really gotten better, even they can improve there too. Like the Raiders can still improve at D tackle and help things even more. Just those three guys, it should be a good pass rush. Yeah, I mean, look, Chandler Jones towards the end of the year last year, he did Chandler Jones things. He forced fumbles. He recovered fumbles. He scored touchdowns. He got more pressures. He got sacks. Like, that, that's what he does. And we talked about this before the beginning of the season last season, um, is he's a game wrecker. He will just wreck a game by himself, what he does specifically. Towards the end of the year, he did that. He had the sacks. Uh, he covered two fumbles. One of them, he returned for a touchdown to seal the game. So oh, those Jack, are the Jones's head. yeah, those are the types of things he does, man. Those are the types of things he can do. He's he's lighter now, which I've always felt that there's a couple of positions on the field that as you get older, you need to lose a little bit of weight every single season. Once you become like a veteran I'll running back, you know how we get fatter as we get older. No. And they need to lose weight. Defensive end, if you're a speed guy on defensive end, you need to lose weight a little bit. Just like running back, just just three to five pounds a season. I think uh, the first guy I actually heard talk about that was an old running back called Deuce McAllister. And he he would he would lose like three to five pounds every offseason once he hit five years. Mm. And he's like, I just need to keep this the keep that quickness, keep that bounce. Boom, Ray Lewis. Boom, boom. Ray Lewis said that at linebacker. Yeah, I need to lose a little bit of weight every season, just to, just a little bit of edge, so I don't like. So him coming in at two fifty, he still looks. He looks really skinny, but like, dude, he's two fifty and he he's tall and he still beat the shit out of all of us. Uh, but dude, Tyree Wilson, they took a picture with all the rookies next to one another. He looks like he's made from like, like they had extra left over when they were making the other guys, so they just gave the extra to Tyree Wilson, like in the movie Twins when like. Arnold Schwarzenegger got all the good shit, and Danny DeVito was just a leftover oh, crap, no. right? No, it's like he got extra shit. Like you're making a family of Play-Doh, and you use the extra to make Dad, and Dad's like seven feet tall. He's yeah. oh, die. he's just huge, man. He's, he's huge, and if he's huge, and he and what showed on the screen in his college tape translates well uh, to the NFL, it's going to be tough to, to block our front four. And a great pass rush can cover up a lot of warts in a bad defense, right? Like it is the foundation for, I mean, obviously every piece helps each other, right? Great defensive yeah. backs give your, you know, your, your, your ends time to get sacks, you know, great defensive tackles, free up, uh, cover a blocker. So you're like, that's all I think. But if you had to build one foundational unit on your defense, it's the pass rush. Cause that could just, that just helps everybody else. It could give all these young at this point, poor DBs, a chance to be better. Rush that quarterback. Uh, reason number four, improve targets. Uh, I didn't think that would be a thing that we'd have to improve last season, but with um, losing Darren Waller, like we should have, Hunter Renfro being concussed most of the season, which should be a, a market improvement of last season. Devontae's going to be Devontae. Hunter, Hunter Renfro should be healthy if the Zebras stop allowing them to go American Gladiators on him every single play uh a stud new running back and jacoby who knows the system and is was very underrated with the patriots 
Yeah, he was he was definitely underused with the Patriots. I think he's going to be an it's going to fit a nice role with us. He's head and shoulders better than any number two receiver. I mean, outside receiver that we had last season. Um, and my mayor coming in, uh, I'm not saying that he's a better tight end than Waller, but I think that he can produce better than what Waller gave us last season. His availability should be much higher. Let's hope so, man. That matters. Uh, And along those same lines, number five, a quarterback that's familiar with the system. Uh, Every new system Derek Carr was in the first year struggled. Uh, This year was no different. Well, it was different because it was that and worse. So Um, we're not going to rehash whose fault is it? Is it McDaniel's fault? Is it Carr's fault? The point is the two together, we can all agree is a match made in hell. And with Jimmy G, we know he knows the system. We know he's embraced it. We know he can work with Josh McDaniels. Done deal. So the so the overall foundation and philosophy of at least at minimum stability of a passing offense is there. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we've heard recently is that uh, our old quarterback didn't give 100% or we didn't get 100% of him. Maybe that could have been because off-field distractions. Maybe it could be because he didn't buy in 100% to the philosophy of what the offense wanted or offense needed or what Coach McDaniels needed or wanted. We know that's not going to be a problem with the quarterbacks that we have now, especially, I mean, as of right now, the one and two quarterbacks are very familiar with not just the plays themselves, but the philosophy of the offense and what he wants to get done. What, excuse me, he pronouns, pal what Josh McDaniels wants to get done in the offense. So it's not going to be competing philosophies and and competing ways of thought when it comes to running this offense. It's I know what this offense needs to do. I know what the scheme calls for and how I should play in the scheme. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of confusion there. So this is the five reasons for optimism next season. One score games go back our way. Arguably the four best players or the, the best player for different positions, pass rush improvement, target improvement, familiarity, and philosophy with the new quarterbacks. Those are five reasons. And because we're a day late, let's throw in a bonus. And they get a bonus. You think we should do one more? Over, and they, they get a bonus. <laughs> and they get a bonus. Yeah. Leadership. Devontae is the leader of the offense. Max Crosby is the leader of the defense. Two leaders by example, right? There's raw, There's the Ray Lewis, like rah-rah type leaders. And then there's just like, I'm doing my job and I have the utmost respect of everyone around me and I'm going to outwork everybody. Um, no longer an issue or should no longer be an issue with this franchise. Both sides yeah. Of the ball. yeah. Those two guys balled out last year. They had, uh, you know, great seasons. Um, we know from what we've heard, everything that we know and what we've heard is when the season starts, everyone's like, all right, let's go on board. Same side of the rope. Let's go. Let's do it. So, um, it just makes everything a lot easier when you have this one guy to look at and he produces. I think that with a lot of the good things that we had in, 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 in our quarterback last year, definitely leadership is one of them. But there's an issue, and A.J. Hawk said this, when someone's the leader and they're not producing, it it... it it can get a little sticky. Mm-hmm. I don't see Devonte Adams not producing. I don't see Max Crosby on the defensive side not producing. So 
I do see the two leaders on either side who are top producers, who had excellent seasons last year, who guys are going to follow on that side of the ball. So that's five plus a bonus because we spoil you kids. We're into that. Uh, well, one of those big reasons, Josh Jacobs. So as the conversation around what's going to happen with him rages on, and we still don't know, does he sign the tender, play for one year, 10, that 10 million? Do they come to a deal? Do they sign and trade him? Does he sit out? These are all still options floating around. All of our options right now. All, all, I, 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 don't, I don't foresee him giving up $10 million, but we'll see. And as we get closer to training camp, which is uh, less than a month away, I think it's what July 25th veterans have to report. So less than, mm -hmm. less than a month away, all the other possibilities become increasingly more possible. A month yeah. ago, we're like, he'll sign it. We'll be fine. A month in, mm -hmm. uh, maybe we're not hundred percent as sure as we were a month ago. And so as the, like the theories and thought processes of Josh Jacobs, and you kind of look into where does he stand historically? Where does he stand with players? Now we've been comparing him to Barkley and Pollard because of the other guys signing franchise tags. What about all time? Again, we make it sound like we're dumping on Jacobs. That's not what we're trying to do here. This is this is an economic question, not a skill question. This is how good he is. I have up here a graphic for those on pod that can't see on YouTube. Most scrimmage yards before turning 25. Barry Sanders, just short of 7,000. Emmett Smith, 30 yards under that. Edron James, 6,600. Walter Payton, 6,400. LaDainian Tomlinson, 6,100. Marshall Falk, 5,897. Josh Jacobs, 5,892. He has the seventh most scrimmage yards in NFL history before turning 25. And do you know what those other six players all have in common, Soto? What's that, Hall sir? Hall of Famers. Oh, wow. He is just just barely shy of those six Hall of Famers. Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Edwin James, Walter Payton, LaDainian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk. So does that change the conversation at all, putting historical context into what he's been able to do in his first four seasons? It makes it more difficult, but this argument doesn't change the landscape of the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change the landscape of how winning is, is done in the NFL right now. And am I willing to concede a little bit more, uh, in my mind, a little bit more cap room or cap space because of this? Yeah. I'm saying, okay, you know what? I knew he was good. I never said he was bad. I never thought he was average. I always thought he was a good player. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking to myself, wow. He's a very good player. Do I want to break the bank for him? No, I still don't want to do that, but I'm willing to give him a little bit more. Uh, right? So does your cats, clearly. Yeah. That's Apollo. He wants to give him a little bit more. Too. I'm going to give him a little bit more than what I had said in the past. The The economics of, the, of football are still the same, and they were obviously very different back then, right? Like Walter Payton just like single-handedly – running the rock and getting the bears W's right. LaDainian Tomlinson, a piece of a really good offense, catching the ball a little bit more. Um, Emmett Smith had one of the most legendary lines of the nineties. He was running behind for why, okay. you know, he was getting those great numbers. Um, 
I did not put him in this class, Josh Jacobs. Now, scrimmage yards can be a little misrepresented because Walter Payton wasn't catching the ball. Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders, not quite as much as a modern offense, right? Ladanian Tomlinson, I think, was, you know, because he's the, the youngest yeah. one of the seven. Edge, the one. Ed, yeah. Edger and James with Tomlinson and Marshall Falk caught a ton of balls. Yep. So that's another part of it, too, is the is football has changed over time. But to me, it's incredible what he's done. It's just not viable when you can get 85% of Josh Jacobs' production for 15% of the money. That's what it comes down That's to. That's the hard part, man. Look, hard. this this is what I don't want to happen for, for Josh Jacobs. This is what I don't want to have happen. I don't want him to dig in his heels and say, no, I'm not going to sign this franchise tag. And every every week he loses, what, almost $600,000 from that $10.1 million on the tag. Right, because he's he, he doesn't get paid that. Games. Yeah, yeah, because th- that's that's what it comes out to about a game. I'm like almost six hundred thousand dollars a game is what he make what he would get paid. He loses a three bed, two bathroom house in Lakewood every tango, every freaking game. Every yeah, game. so it's like if he doesn't play, and we see something somewhat similar in Zeus White. They're not going to pay him at mm-hmm. all. The only way that he comes out winning in this scenario is if we cannot move the ball on the ground whatsoever at all. Then we're like, look, man, yeah, maybe we do need him that much. And then maybe and this will work before his in his favor. But I just I don't see that happening, man. And that's and that's the struggle that runs into every single time I'm hearing, you know, pro Josh Jacobs people. And I hate saying that because I don't want to sound like a con Josh Jacobs person. That's not let's, us. Let's, let's, not let's say the, the pro break the bank pro Josh, Josh Jacobs, right? They use, yeah, that's, they use that's more accurate. They say stuff like this, right? We're not arguing that Josh Jacobs isn't good. We're not arguing that in a different, you know, if, if the landscape of the economics of football were different, he would get more. That's not, we're not saying he's not good. So you keep putting him in context of how good he is. Like, yeah, he's awesome. He's great. No argument here. None. But until I see something that says, for you know, for what he's asking for, you're getting so much more than what you can get with paying somebody less. Then there, it's all mute, and it doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. Like how good you put him in context, if you can say rationally, like yeah, we can get eighty five as much, you know, eighty five percent as much production with you know a running back that's twenty percent less. Like that's just it's just basic economics of football, especially one with so much money on offense and especially one with a defense with giant holes in it. We just, we just, you got to pick your battles. It's just, it's just really difficult right now to be able to build a defense the way that I I'm, I, I'm thinking that this regime wants to build its defense when you're spending that much money on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even though he's not getting paid a ton of money, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a, a freaking bargain. He's he's making a good good amount of money. Mm-hmm. You have that. You have uh, Devonte Adams. You have Renfro, and to a lesser extent, uh, Jacoby Myers is making less than Renfro, about maybe what seventy five percent, 
or Colton Miller. Colton Miller gets a, makes a lot of money. Uh, you know, it's it's it, the side of the ball makes a ton of money, man, and it's a tough one. It definitely is a tough one. It, it's it's a tough one. Um, what, what would what would you do? What would you like now? Seeing those numbers, we talked about. I think what you said was uh, – I think we both agreed on this. I'm not going to put it on you or me. We agreed on like eight for eight a year for two years, right? Yeah. Seeing that those numbers, do you do – you, I know I soften my position a little bit. Do you soften your position a little bit? No, because it's still not a matter of – how good is he? It's what are you getting per dollar? And that still doesn't, hasn't changed in my mind, right? What are you getting per dollar versus what you can get elsewhere? Still not a change. And again, all the other, um, like the, the, the vast abundance of evidence is once you pay a, once you pay a running back and they're in their mid twenties and, and later, they don't get better with age. Like running back, like there's yeah. a real possibility. We've seen the best that Josh Jacobs has of his career. It's a real possibility. Right, like you start getting to your, you know, late twenties, we see a lot of running backs slow down, especially with how Josh Jacobs plays. Now he doesn't have as much wear and tear in college, right? Because he was one like the wasn't even a starter in college, which is crazy to think with how good he is. But it it, it makes me love him more. All it does is make it hurt more when we when we end up trading him. That's all it does. That's all it does. It doesn't make me want to keep him more. It doesn't make me want to pay him more. All it does is make it hurt more. When like my feelings of love for Josh Jacobs, I'm trying to trump with the logic of I want to build a winning franchise, and we only have so many resources. I agree, man. I agree. Like I said before, and especially the resources that we have on that side of the ball already. The amount of money we spent on that side already, huh? Tell them of our of our nine biggest cap hits next season. Seven of them are offense. Yeah, man. It's. It's not. It's not good. It's not okay. We need to be able to put to. We need to be able to develop young players so that we have to pay them on the defensive side. And the and the and the big defensive pay, Chandler Jones, was a drastic overpay. So even when we did pay a guy a lot, a fourteen million. Yeah, Max and Chandler are the two guys making like any kind of money. And and then the Chandler one was a waste, right? Like just not just not Dude. worth what was paid. So it's I like, would love nothing more. I would love nothing more than to have to pay Divine Diablo and to have to pay Nate Hobbs because they freaking balled out. Yeah. You know, because that's okay. Now, now you're kind of evening things out on the both sides of the ball. You have players that are young, ascending, developing in your system, uh, kind of maybe changing a little bit of the view of us now. We're able to develop more players on, on defense now, not just offensively. So, um, I know, man. It's 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 a tough thing, and it's it's one of those things where that's why a lot of teams do it do it poorly because it's not easy building a building a franchise. So I uh, I was uh, on I think it was last week I think it was this early this week. It's been a long week. It was early this week. I was on um, the local ESPN affiliate in Las Vegas because our Two friends of the show, both been on the show. Steve Cofield's the host, and Ryan McKinnell was was a co-host. Had them both both on the show, and they're talking about Derek Carr. And this is what Ryan McKinnell had to say 
about what he wants out of Derek Carr in New Orleans. Sure, but in all seriousness, I mean, accountability is everything, right? And that's the only way things are going to change. So if, if Carr does, you know, go down to New Orleans, puts on 12 wins, then that is going to force the Raiders to take a harder look at themselves. And that is the only way things get better is through accountability. And I, you know, very much, I would say, from the outside looking in, obviously I'm not uh, on these shows all the time and, and speaking with the front office and speaking with the players like an Adam Hill or a Willie or a Steve, right? But but the accountability and the lack thereof for me has been the story of the Raiders for years and years and years and years. So me, for me, I'm rooting for Derek Carr from that standpoint because I want to see Las Vegas get better. And accountability, again, I feel like is everything. What do you make of Big Mac's statement? I understand where he's coming from. I mean, I don't agree with it, but I understand what he's saying. I I think that the accountability issue was something that was identified already. I think from Mark Davis's standpoint, that's why he brought in the new regime that he did bring in, who are big on accountability. Um, so I don't see that Derek Carr doing good or poor or whatever he does with new Orleans is going to really change the direction of the ship. I, I can't possibly agree with you more. Do you think Mark Davis gives a fuck what happens with the saints? Do you think he cares? I think honestly, I think even, even more so than that. I don't think that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler care. I think they already well, have look, their vision. I, I, I think this is, I think, what Ryan's talking about is, you know, the last like, and I, I edited out. This was just the last forty-five seconds of the conversation. He looks great, more, by the way. Even losing weight, he's getting there. He's getting there, man. He's getting yeah. There. Even losing um, weight, good for him. It's, it's summertime. He's sweating the pounds away. Yeah, but this is, but it, this was more like the last few decades of problems, right? Which is not a Josh McDaniels or a John Gruden or a Derek Carr problem. It's you know, it's a Davis family problem. Right. And so I, I was looking at more at like the buck stops with Mark Davis, right? The accountability stops with him, right? That's he's the very top, right? And I don't think Mark Davis, I, I think deep down, you know, he wants to see his Raiders do well. And I'm sure he'd be happy for Carr if he had a good season, like casually. But is he going to drastically alter his franchise based on Derek Carr's fucking passing percentage? Yeah. Quarterback I don't rating? Think so. No, I don't. I, I think there's zero chance. I don't think he, if Derek Carr wins the Super Bowl or goes zero and seventeen, I don't think Mark Davis looks at that at all and says, "I'm going to adjust what I'm doing at my franchise because of how my ex quarterback performed in the Bayou." No, I think, I think so. fans will talk that way. I think we're going to see major overreaction one way or the other based mm -hmm. on how Derek Carr performs next season. I think fans yeah. will be that way. I think we'll have that conversation. Our comment sections will be full and it might be fun having those conversations or it's going to suck. I don't know. Fans will feel that way. I don't think the one person who matters most and is the decision maker, I could be wrong, but I don't think Mark Davis cares. I think Mark Davis's head is in the sand of the desert and that's where it stays. I wouldn't necessarily say his head's in the sand. I think that, his he's he understands that the the lack of patience that he's had in the past has hurt him and he's seen how the lack of patience towards the end that his father had hurt the team at that time as well towards the end right mm -hmm. um and 
if he's seen the error of his ways and if he's seen the error of how being impatient um, can uproot a franchise over and over and over again, right? Um, he's already has the plan set in place. Regardless of what happens outside, if we take care of what we have to take care of, then we're going to be better. Then we're going to move in the right direction. Let's put it this way. Whether Carr wins the Super Bowl or goes 0-17, that has less effect on Mark Davis's decision-making on if the Raiders win eight games or nine. That's my point. Like, the tiniest little improvements or, you know, falters that the Raiders do are a hundred times more important in Mark Davis's mind than whatever Derek Carr does in New Orleans. That's I, I, I that's I, that is how I've seen Mark Davis wired over the course of his ownership. Is it's look he, it's he runs a mom and pa shop. We talk about it all the time, right? He he grew up in this franchise. It's not like he worked at seven other franchises and see how everyone else works and sees the moving parts of everywhere and has a worldly view of the NFL. He's he just played one place. He's been in, the only time he ever moves is when his franchise moves, right? That's the only time he's everywhere in any other buildings is when they get new ones, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's focused on what's happening in Las Vegas. Everything else is a drastic million miles behind them. Step backward in his mind. Yeah, and you know one thing that we haven't really discussed, and I mean we don't really discuss this this topic a lot as far as like Mark Davis and his his ownership style. But who's who's Mark Davis's biggest like mentor ownership wise? It's Jerry oh, Jones. Dad? Yeah, it's just living. It's Jerry Jones. And yeah. Jerry Jones is probably one of the more like he's in more has more control of his franchise than a mom and pop Mark Davis has because he actually picks the players too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if that's who's that's who's getting a lot of advice from, and that's who he has stuff to bounce off as another owner. Uh, from what we've heard, that's that's it's Jerry Jones, a guy who he's able to come to and talk to about certain things. Um, I don't see him making a, a a 180 like he's done a lot in in the past uh with his strategy and with his direction producing what a Wimax? sure why not rory jp5 is that our rory that's our rory i actually agree with soto once a raider always a raider but i don't give a fuck about them while playing for another team until retired so we had this conversation about, um, you know, what what like makes a Raider. And look, I, we made it pretty black and white when we were yelling at each other. I have a special I, – I think we can all agree there's a special place in your heart for someone who's played one snap in the silver and black. And I think there's a much bigger place in their heart when they've played a long, long time and played really, really awesome for us. And, you know, I think there's it's, – it's not quite that black and white, right? Mm-hmm. My point being is – that what you've contributed affects how much I like you, right? It's not just like, oh, you know, Tim Brown and uh, Alex Leatherwood. We love them the same because they're both equal Raiders. Like, no, like there's a hierarchy that you earn. And two, whilst I'm not openly rooting for X Raiders still playing in the NFL, when I see him do well, I feel like, oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad that guy's doing well. I'm glad a guy that I've I've spent however many years and seasons rooting for is finding success as long as you're not playing the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
you can you can you can divorce yourself from them emotionally. That's fine. Like I don't, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're like, look, yeah, fuck, you know. I don't, I, I don't. Whoever, I don't care. That's, and it's not like I hate them. You know, as much as I hate the Chiefs, I didn't hate Marcus Allen when he signed with the Chiefs. Mm. I mean, I, I, it's 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 in some cases it's even worse. It's like I don't care. You know, like that's yeah. like that's the real yeah. revenge on somebody is not hating them because you're still giving them emotion. It's just yeah. like eh, not caring about them. And, and and once they don't play for the team anymore, I don't wish them to do poorly. Uh, I don't you're wish different. I don't. I don't wish them to get injured or any of that stuff. I just don't care. I don't care about like when Khalil Mack got traded to the Bears. Eh, whatever. I didn't care. Like okay, whatever. I mean, I cared that he got traded, but I didn't care how he did when he was there. I, I looked at it this way: like uh, the example I gave on Twitter was like, let's say we trade Josh Jacobs to the Bills, and the Bills play the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And it's overtime, and Josh Jacobs gets the winning touchdown knocking the chiefs out of the playoffs. I would feel a little, a little bit more warmth in my heart that it was our, our Josh Jacobs that knocked the chiefs out than a stranger, like another non Raider. Not that I'm rooting for him, but like, Ooh, that feels a little extra nice that those, that the queefs got knocked out by a guy that has a Raiders emblem tattoo on his body. You know, I don't. I don't think I can be any more joyous than watching the Chiefs get knocked out of the playoffs. You've reached peak. It's it, when it happens, it happens. <laughs> that's it. She's like, I could be getting a blowjob on a roller coaster while watching the Chiefs get knocked out of the playoffs, and it's the same emotion. I just can't. Anyway, it's, it's just there's there's always got to be a limit. Yeah. Uh, beat Gordo, seventy nine oh five. Josh Jacobs deserves at least $12 million a year. We need to pay him. Carr, lucky he had him because he sucked more before him, and he's been consistent these past four years, way more than Saquon. I'm curious how he came up with that number. Yeah. I mean, 12 mil is what, what the highest paid, right? Around 12 million is what they're getting paid. Not the rookie, not the rookie contract, but like the, yeah, the rookie deal's fourteen, isn't it? It's thirteen and change. Yeah, like high thirteen. Yeah, I think it's like twelve five is like uh, what McCaffrey's making this year, right? Well, I mean, if it were any other position, think about this: if it were, if, if Josh Jacobs was playing any other position and he was the leading producer at his position on, in a contract year. He'd be the highest-paid player at that position. If he were a defensive tackle or a wide receiver or a kicker or a linebacker, if you were the number one producer at that position, and it's your and it's your second contract, right? You're young. You're just turned twenty-five. You'd be the highest-paid player at that position, most likely. Yeah. So it's like I I I get the confusion and I get the anger. You're like, he's the best. He should be paid the most. Basic economics. It's like, well, there's a, there's a layer deeper to that. There's a layer deeper to that. And again, look, I, I, I don't. I hope everyone understands when I say this. I don't think, and I'm not going to speak for you, but for as far as I go, I don't want not want him to get paid. I think that the way the NFL is going, it's not going to happen. That's what I feel. I hope he gets his money. I hope we figure out a way to give him what he wants 
without crippling our franchise. And, and it's, this isn't like a Raider issue. Like we make Derek. Yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's, it's, yeah. This is an NFL issue. This is a football like, issue. We made Max Crosby like this third at the time, the third highest in, at his high, highest paid his position, I believe. Darren Waller number one at his position. We made Hunter Renfro number three. Three or four in the slot receivers, like slot, yeah. right? Like we've paid motherfuckers. It's not like oh, the Raiders. We're we're showing that if you work your ass off and and produce, the Raiders won't pay you. No, we paid. Devontae was we, the highest paid Devontae receiver. Highest, we've, we've we've overpaid more than underpaid. Chandler Jones for like Derek forty-five Warner. minutes. Carr was the like, highest paid quarterback. Like we yeah, paid like a cup of coffee. The like players, we've Raiders are more often overpaying than underpaying players that have earned it. Remember so that Stanford route contract? God damn! Yeah, man. Did we overpay? Last one, Shima Utah, eighty-six. Sounds like uh, Cherokee. We no longer have Skip and Shannon arguing, so you guys will suffice. Grabs popcorn. Yeah, I think um, I think what makes this work is that we've known each other for so long that we can push the buttons, and then when the show's over, it's just like yeah, show's over, right? Over. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I don't think still- people realize like the scope of our relationship. Like when you like. When you share experiences like almost getting your limbs broken and like getting your like blood circulation cut off to your brain, when you train martial arts with somebody, it's it's, it, it, it's different. You like, like that locker room type of environment thing that you have. It's weird. It's a different type of thing. Plus, we bonded over like Raiders and you know a bunch of other things. We have a lot of mutual friends. We like to hang out. Like we genuinely. Like I've helped, I helped you move into your freaking house. I hate, I hate moving people. I hate it. And I said, you know what? He freaking asked me to do it and I'm going to fucking do it. And I was the first person there and I was the last person to leave. So this, like, there's very few things that anyone can really say to me once I really consider them a close friend of mine that will make me like, just get super, super, super angry that I'll, I'll take it with me for a long time. But when we're talking about the Raiders, this is just like okay, we agree, we disagree. Okay, let's just hash it out. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend my point because I'm passionate about it. You're gonna defend your point because you're passionate about it, and then that's it. Once we talk about a different subject, we we don't normally carry that onto it. Even the, forget the, the different show, a different subject in the same show. When you share blood, like blood, sweat, and tears, makes a pretty good lubricant. So that kind of helps. And two, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I have the highest respect for Soto as a broadcaster and no Ooh. respect for him as a man. It's true. Which is why we make this work, right? You, you, gotta, you can't over-respect. I say it all the time. We'll leave you with that. Day late, little shorter, but we made it short and sweet. Um, we'll keep an eye on the Josh Jacobs situation. Like I said, less than a month away from training camp. Free agency still technically underway. Some improvements can still be had. We'll let you Who's know. the first domino to fall in the running back market, man? Yep. There's a lot of guys out there that can get paid. There's the three franchise tag guys. There's uh, there's Cook out there. Jonathan Taylor's eligible to get paid. I mean, there's uh, 
Injury news to follow, right? Jimmy yeah. G's foot, our, our first round rookie. Harry Wilson, yeah. Still gotta get, still gotta get. So busy off season, right? Very busy off season. Lots Until of then, now going with if you're with me.